Do you pay off the mortgage or do you invest the money? That's what we're going to be talking about today. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're answering two questions from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. And after that, we are back with our Be the Change segment. This segment is focused on highlighting nonprofits or charities that are dedicated to helping children get a better chance at a great life. This month, we'll be featuring Nicole Hockley from Sandy Hook Promise. She's going to share how her organization is preventing gun violence in our nation's schools. Now, as a young parent with kids in school, this topic is very, very important to me. And I truly admire the work that they're doing. All right, let's jump into today's show. Our first question of the month comes in from Patrick from California. He contacted me on Twitter. And you can contact me too at Andy Hill MKM. <laughs> hey, Andy. Can I pick your brain real quick about paying off your mortgage? I just bought a house here in San Diego and got a 30-year fixed on it. If I wait 30 years to pay it off, I will have paid $162,000 in interest, which doesn't sit very well with me. What was your reason for paying off your mortgage? I was thinking instead of making extra payments on the principal, that I would instead invest that money and after 8 to 10 years, have amassed enough to pay off the mortgage in a lump sum. What are your thoughts on that? Invest the money or pay off the mortgage? My reason to accelerate paying it off is, number one, I hate debt. Number two, lower my monthly expenses after the loan is paid off. And then number three, save at least $100,000 in interest payments. Many thanks, bro. Patrick. Patrick, thanks so much for connecting with me on Twitter. First of all, way to go on running the numbers to see how much you'll be paying in interest over the years. That is something that not a lot of people do. And when you look at the numbers like that, it is hard to ignore for sure. Well, let me answer your first question on why I wanted to pay off my mortgage early. So it goes a little something like this. When Nicole wanted to upgrade our living situation in 2013, I honestly felt really nervous because of the monthly mortgage payment that we'd have to make on this new home. It was much bigger than where we were coming from. We were coming from a 1,200 square foot home to a 2,500 square foot home. And with that, the price is higher, the mortgage is higher, right? We were making good money at the time, but I still didn't like the idea of always having to have that big income to live our lifestyle. And Nicole was planning on leaving her job shortly, just like the following six months after that to become a full-time stay-at-home mom. So I had a lot of nervousness going on and I always had the thought in my brain, what if I get fired or what if I want to leave my job, but I can't because we have this mortgage payment and it's just something that is required that I always have to make this amount of money. So what we decided is that we would get the house, but we'd pay it off in five years. That was sort of our middle ground way of doing things. She'd get the house she always wanted and I'd get the debt-free life. So that's what we did. We paid off our $195,000 mortgage 
in less than five years. And honestly, my motivation was purely emotional, not mathematical. Did I run some big calculations beforehand to see if investing the money would have been smarter? No, I I actually didn't. (laughs) Would that have been a smart thing to do? Probably. Yeah. Mathematically, definitely. But am I mad that I didn't run those calculations? Not really. I'm I'm good. I like living mortgage-free. It's pretty stress-reducing. <laughs> My stress level has gone down quite a bit. Do I think that everyone should pay off their mortgage instead of investing? No, I don't. I think everyone's situation is different and unique, and only they can make the right decision for them. As a caveat, though, we were maxing out my 401k at work. And for a few years during that mortgage payoff process, we were also maxing out our Roth IRA. So we we did take advantage of the stock market and the bull market, the great bull market, and then just building up our retirement. But we weren't investing in taxable brokerage or anything like that. Now, to answer your second question on what I think you should do, I think a big part of this decision to pay off your mortgage or invest is your age your income, your overall financial situation, and your just general goals for the future. That's a lot of information that I don't have, Patrick. So I did do a little research. I checked out your Twitter profile and your website, and um, I do have a general guesstimate that you are around 47 years old. So I'm going to go with that. And if you're not, I apologize. (laughs) But given that, I would agree with you that I wouldn't want to be paying a mortgage up until my 70s. Because if you're 47 and you got a 30-year, you're going to be 77 by the time this thing is paid off. So, but before you go paying off your mortgage early, I want you to check on a few things for me. Number one, how are you doing with your retirement savings? We've got really low mortgage rates right now, right? It might make more sense to stock away money in your 401k, your IRA, or HSA. That way you are feeling super comfortable in retirement because it's not too far away for you. Number two, do you have any other high interest debt in your life? If you're still paying 15% on a credit card or some high interest student loans, it might make more sense to pay those off before your mortgage. And then number three here, what are your spouse's thoughts? If you are married, if you're a married guy, check with your spouse and get their take on the situation as well. I'm more of a mm, happy marriage over an optimized financial portfolio kind of guy, (laughs) but that's just me. If you have no other debt, your spouse is on board and you're feeling good with your retirement or you're at least continuing to contribute to them then I like your idea of investing the money in a taxable brokerage account and then deciding at 55 or what would that be, 57, if you want to pay it off or not. No one knows how the stock market's going to perform over the next eight to 10 years. But if you diversify your investments and you invest based on that specific time horizon, it could be a great idea. I would highly, highly recommend meeting with a fee-only certified financial planner to work out the details. It will be well worth the investment. Some of these guys work even on an hourly rate, so you could check in with them and you know get, get another opinion, another professional opinion, a non-podcaster opinion. <laughs> 
Now, my opinion might be helpful. I'm glad you reached out to me, but I thought that I would add in four more opinions to help you look at some different angles, Patrick. Now, I've reached out to some of my friends in the personal finance community who had some general ideas as well. And again, just remember, these are all ideas. And at the end of the day, your idea is most important. So the first message is from Yannicka from financiallyindependentmom.com. Hi, I'm Yannicka, author of financiallyindependentmom.com. First, I want to clearly state that I'm not a financial advisor and I don't know your exact situation. If you need advice for your specific situation, contact a financial advisor. If I would have a mortgage of $200,000, a secure job, and a solid emergency fund covering three to six months of expenses, I personally would not worry too much about having a mortgage. If you have spare money left after paying your bills, then consider these three options. First option is paying off your mortgage, which is very low risk. The thing is, your money is stuck in your house. The second option is to keep your money in your bank account as an emergency fund. This way, you can use it whenever you need it. And the third option is to invest your money. Investing comes with a greater risk of losing money, but it should give you a good return on your investment. Life comes with risks, whether it would be becoming ill or losing a job. Investing your money is all about dealing with risks, not necessarily eliminating risks, but trying to get a good return for the risk you take. If you sleep better at night when your mortgage is partly or completely paid off, you should go for that option. But if you are financially stable and aren't scared to take some risk, you can start investing some of your money to get a nice return on your investment. In the end, the most important thing is that you feel comfortable with your balance of risk and return. Our next one comes in from CFA and author Joseph Hogue. Joseph Hogue with the Let's Talk Money channel on YouTube, and I say invest that money. And we need to get over this knee-jerk disgust with debt, this reaction to debt, and make smarter financial decisions. Do you ever wonder why Apple has $26 billion in cash just sitting there in the bank account while it still owes $94 billion in debt? It's because it can borrow at those ultra-low rates, reinvest that money, and make profits off the difference. So with mortgage rates at sub 4% versus even a 6% or higher return on safety bonds or or stocks that don't follow the economy, invest your money and pay off your mortgage as you're collecting that interest. Next up is real estate investor Dustin Heiner from masterpassiveincome.com. Hey, Andy. What I personally did was not pay off my mortgage early, but I then took that money I saved and bought rental properties with it. Now I have a mortgage paid off because I had passive income coming in to pay off the mortgage. And I still own the rental properties, which make me money every single month. And our last opinion comes in from Mike from the smart people money show. Hey, what's going on? It's big money. Mike from the smart people money show. Dude, if you're thinking about investing money for eight to 10 years and then taking that money and paying off your mortgage, that really is a foolish proposition There's no guarantee in what the market will do over the next eight to 10 years. And if you consider the bigger picture, what it's done over the last 10 years, the likelihood that it would do the same thing over the next 10, I think is very, very low. The probability of that possibility is highly unlikely. But look at the other side. If you do accelerate paying off your mortgage, you will know that every time you pay down the principal, you are saving money, thus making money by paying it down faster because you don't have more interest to pay. 
So consider accelerating your mortgage payments. I think that's going to be your best option. Good luck and hope that works out for you. Take that fueling, burning desire of disliking the fact that you're paying so much in interest and continue to accelerate those mortgage payments. All right, best of luck. Thank you, Four, for chiming in and sharing some different perspectives. I hope that helps Patrick. Patrick, I hope this collective of opinions of five, so that'd be mine and these four, help you to make some important decisions in your life. This is a big decision, absolutely. And again, meet with meeting with a certified financial planner is a smart way to go. But even with that person's opinion and these five, the most important opinion, Patrick, is yours. That is the one that matters the most. Best of luck with this major decision, Patrick. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high quality meats. And now we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, aka the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews. Available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews. Available at a pet store near you. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. second question of the month, I wanted to share a question that I received from a class attendee from the Financial Peace University course that I'm volunteering with this quarter at my church. So the question went a little something like this. So Andy, for Dave Ramsey's Baby Step 1, we're supposed to save up $1,000 in our starter emergency fund. What are some ways to accomplish Baby Step 1 fast? Okay, so this will be a fun one, but I should probably provide some context for people who don't know what I am talking about. Financial Peace University is a nine-week course taught by Ramsey's Solutions. That's Dave Ramsey's company, if you guys have heard of him. And that course helps people get out of debt and get into very strong financial shape. In the course, Dave and his team introduce seven baby steps that people can walk through to help them achieve financial freedom. Dave's book, The Total Money Makeover, and his course, this Financial Peace University, they were very, very influential to me as I was getting into taking care of my finances around the time that Nicole and I got married. So I'm I'm a big fan. And so much so that I went through all of the steps... And now I volunteer to help others walk through them as well. And the first step, baby step one, is to save $1,000 in a savings account for your starter emergency fund. So now that you have the context, let's run through the ideas I have for saving 1000 bucks in one week. Oh yeah, get a little aggressive, 
and you can do it. <laughs> All right, here we go. Number one, sell 10 items on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. Walk through your house and find 10 items that you don't use or that don't make you happy anymore. Finding ones that can go for a good price on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist is the key here. But even if you don't sell them, still find those things, put them in a pile, and decide what maybe you want to donate them or you could pitch them. And this is going to help create some more space and simplicity and peace in your house. And then maybe put some money back in your pocket, right? So some examples of the ones that maybe can sell a little bit better online are furniture, bikes, baby supplies like strollers, cribs, rockers, things like that, kid toys, business suits, electronics like cell phones, the ones you're maybe sitting in your drawer you're not using anymore, clothes, purses, things like that. When you find these items, look for a general price range for your used items online, take some great pictures, and then post them. You'll be surprised at how much money you can make in one day just going through your home, cleaning house, and posting them online. Number two, pack your lunch every day this week. Sometimes the easiest way to save money is to not spend it. And that goes so much with eating out at restaurants or those quick grab and goes or fast food. Make a commitment this week to only eat at home or to pack your lunch for work. Not only is this going to save you some money, but it's probably a healthier option as well. Come on now. (laughs) Number three, save on cable TV. The standard cable TV bill can be a quick place to turn if you're looking to save some quick money by looking at competing providers in your area, like we've got uh, Comcast and we've got AT&T, right? I don't know how it is in your area. By looking at these providers, though, you could see what sort of savings you could realize if you switched companies. Call up your provider, your current provider, and ask them to match the price of the competitor. They want to keep you. It's so much easier for them to keep you as a customer than it is to get a new one. So put that negotiating power in your corner. Another area to examine in your cable bill is the premium channels. Are you paying extra for some premium channels right now that you're not even using? Did you watch Game of Thrones and you had HBO and now Game of Thrones is over and you're not using it anymore? (laughs) That was us. Or do you have too many non-cable subscriptions like Hulu and Netflix and the new Disney one and Sling and they're all just adding up to be one gigantic huge TV watching bill? Well, see if you can trim back on some of those, the ones that you're not using. Keep the ones you love, but just trim back on the ones you're not using, right? And if you want to go really hardcore and you just haven't been using cable very much, consider cutting the cord altogether. We did this three years ago and we don't miss it at all. We bought an HD antenna, so we still get our local channels and the HD antenna was only like 20 bucks. So I could still watch the Lions lose on Sunday (laughs) and we can still watch what is it nbc abc cbs all the major channels so consider that number four ask for overtime if you have a job where overtime is an option speak with your supervisor about working some extra hours this week that newfound money can go directly into your starter emergency fund 
and it's going to start building up. Number five, lower your cell phone bill. Ask your employer if they offer any discounts for cell phone providers. I did this randomly one day when I was talking to my HR person, and I found out that I get an 8% discount. That doesn't sound like a lot, right? 8%, but it only took me 10 minutes, and then I went and put the code in, or they had to like send me some confirmation email to my work email, but now I'm saving about 100 bucks a year. So quick, easy 10 minutes. You can also call your cell phone plan provider and ask if there are any ways you can save money with your plan. Some options are lowering the amount of data that you're using or switching to a prepaid plan. We just did this, this prepaid route, and we're saving around 30 bucks a month. So what is that, $360 a year? It definitely starts to add up. And it's the same It's the same plan. We're just paying before the month starts instead of the end. It's, there's no difference in service or anything like that. It was quick. I did it in an hour and saved 300 bucks. So, all right. Number six, work extra hours on your side hustle. According to Bankrate, one out of four Americans have a side hustle outside of their full-time career. And it turns out they're a little bit more passionate about their side hustle than they are their full-time career. Well, if that's you, take your passion up a level this week and create some more income for yourself. Some of my favorite digital side hustles, as you guys probably know already, are freelance writing, blogging, and podcasting, as you are hearing right now through my voice. And then some easier non-digital side hustles, if you're not into the digital stuff, can be landscaping, babysitting, dog walking, house sitting. You could do Uber or Lyft or TaskRabbit, some of the gig economy stuff. That's the quick money side. But yeah, if you have time and some motivation, the money is out there for you. Number seven, save on insurance. Call your insurance provider and tell them you are looking to save money on the overall cost of insurance. Here are some questions you could ask. Number one, what discounts am I not taking advantage of, good sir? Number two, are there any discounts for bundling my insurance together, like home, auto, life, etc.? And then number three, with my great driving record, if that's the case, <laughs> am I receiving the appropriate discounts? These questions and just asking in general could save you so much money. And if you don't feel like you're getting any traction as you're talking to them, shop around with other providers. We did this. We called Geico, asked a lot of these questions, and it just didn't seem like there was any movement whatsoever. So then we called up Progressive, and we eventually switched because they were able to save us $1,200 a year by switching. So one call, 1200 bucks. So switching sometimes, periodically, every couple of years, seems to save you money. It's a shame, but hey, you got to do it. Number eight, switch to a discount grocery store. Our family switched from Kroger to Aldi a couple of years ago. You guys have heard me talk about this quite a bit. We were spending around 900 bucks per month at Kroger for our family of four, and we are now only spending $600 per month for pretty much the exact same groceries. Look for an Aldi near you and give it a try. We found that the produce isn't as great as Kroger, but for our everyday grocery needs, including organic stuff, can be it can be completely fulfilled at Aldi. 
And if you don't have an Aldi near you, check out Walmart as well. They have a good organic selection and it keeps growing and they have very competitive prices. I'm going to include an article. This is, this is really cool from Clark Howard where he analyzed buying the exact same things from Aldi, Kroger, and Walmart. And he shows the price breakdown and it essentially shows that Aldi is very much the clear leader, but it's a good thing to see how all the prices stack up. So I've got that article in the show notes. Check it out. Number nine, take a break from Amazon. Oh man. One of the largest companies in the world right now is Amazon. And you know why? Cause we all buy from them. <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes random Amazon boxes show up at my house and I completely forget what I ordered. Someone in our financial peace university class called this Amazon amnesia. <laughs> it's true. I'm, I, has that ever happened to you? I think about it. So because that's the case, Take a break from Amazon for at least a week. Don't order a thing. Cancel your Amazon Prime subscription if you need to. Sometimes the ability to get what we want immediately, just having that ability. We didn't have this, you know, whatever, 10 years ago. It makes it just hard not to buy, right? Because it's so easy just to click a button and it shows up at your house, all packaged up in a nice little brown box. So, Take that ability away from yourself for one week and see what it does. Number 10, the last one here, cancel your unused subscriptions. Are you spending money on things that you're not even using? I've done this quite a bit. I remember paying for a monthly gym membership when I hadn't even visited the place for at least six months. That is literally throwing money down the toilet. So consider canceling some of those unused subscriptions and memberships like club memberships, gyms, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, those types of ones, magazines, you have magazines sent to thousand newspapers, Costco, Sam's Club. Now, if you're using these and enjoying them, then don't cancel them. I would not recommend that. The point here is not to kill your joy and leave you unhappy just to get a thousand bucks fast. Of the ideas that I just mentioned on the list, find the ones that do resonate with you and work hard on them. And the ones that don't fit for you, just leave them alone. There are enough ideas of things that I mentioned here to get you a thousand bucks in no time. Then you will be ready to crush baby step two, which is to eliminate all of your debt outside of your mortgage. All right, to refresh everyone, let's go through that list one more time real quick. Number one, sell 10 items on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. Number two, pack your lunch every day this week. Number three, save on cable TV. Number four, ask for overtime. Number five, lower your cell phone bill. Number six, work extra hours on your side hustle. Number seven, save on insurance. Number eight, switch to a discount grocery store like Aldi. Number nine, take a break from Amazon. And then number 10, cancel your unused subscriptions. Okay, so now's when we take some action, my friends. Good luck grabbing a quick 1K. And if you have a question like Patrick or my FPU class query... Please leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. Be sure to leave your name and your question, and I would love to hear from you. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. 
Be The Change segment this month, we are featuring Sandy Hook Promise, an organization that is dedicated to preventing gun violence in our nation's schools. I've invited the co-founder and managing director, Nicole Hockley, to tell us more about the organization. We're also going to discuss what we can do as parents, neighbors, and community leaders to prevent gun violence where we live. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So, Nicole, I'm well aware of your story and all the work that you're doing to prevent gun violence through Sandy Hook Promise. Would you mind sharing a little bit about why the topic of gun violence prevention is so important to you? Sure. Uh, the the topic of gun violence prevention is very personal uh, to me. Um, almost seven years ago, on uh, December 14th, 2012, um, I sent two children, two of my sons, off to school, and only one came home. Um, my youngest son, Dylan, was shot and killed in his first grade classroom at Sandy Hook Elementary School. And for me, I, I'm on a personal mission to ensure that no parent ever has to experience uh, the loss of their child in this way, but also to teach others about how preventable gun violence is and how to take those steps to ensure that we can one day be in a nation where no student ever experiences the devastating effects of a school shooting. I applaud you and thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I have young children myself and uh, I'm extremely inspired by the work you're doing to make a difference in our in our nation uh, and protect our children. So thank you. Um, I do want to ask you a little bit about Sandy Hook Promise and what you guys are specifically doing to prevent gun violence in schools. Obviously, we hear a lot in the news, right, about gun violence or the ways that we can make this right. What is Sandy Hook Promise doing to prevent gun violence? We we have a very specific set of programs that are um, evidence-based and proven to uh, reduce gun violence by saving people and, and impacting lives in that way. There's a lot of different ways that people attack the issue of gun violence prevention, and most of it is done through a policy or a legislative perspective in terms of passing sensible gun safety laws. We're all for that and very supportive. However, what we felt was missing and what's so needed are community-based solutions that pair with those policies. And how can we teach kids, especially especially in middle school and high school, how to recognize at-risk signs of violence or self-harm in their peers and in themselves and then take action to intervene? So we're, we're more about upstream violence prevention and within that broad spectrum of violence, we are also helping to avert uh, self-harm, suicide by firearm, homicide by firearm, and mass shootings. Can we talk specifically about some of the programs that you are working on in schools that are providing that information? Sure. We, we have a, an umbrella program called Know the Signs. And then within that, we have programs such as Start With Hello, where we teach kids how to recognize the signs of someone who is chronically socially isolated and to understand how that feels and how being pushed out or withdrawn can feel and how to create connections. Because we know that social isolation is really one of those upstream factors that if you intervene on it and make connections earlier on, people aren't left to their own devices, aren't feeling that they need to retaliate against something, aren't feeling like they're being bullied. So connections are really important. Another program that we promote very heavily is Say Something, and that's where we teach uh, teens and the adults around them, how do you recognize the signs of at-risk behaviors? So someone who is 
behaviorally showing that they are uh, thinking about harm to themselves or hurting someone else or how to recognize an overt threat that's being made and then take action. And particularly on social media, because that's where a lot of these threats and these um, behavioral issues are surfacing. So how can we teach kids to, you know, take it really seriously when you see this on social media or you hear about it on the bus or in the classroom and take action by telling a trusted adult or using an anonymous reporting system and, and why that's so important to not just think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm snitching, I'm going to get someone in trouble. No, you're going to get someone help. Um, and that's, those are the two key programs that we teach kids around the country. And save lives as well, right? I mean, Absolutely. So, so a big part of it, it sounds like awareness, know the signs, and then action, say something. So let's talk yes. about some of those signs because there's a lot of parents listening with kids that are in school. What are some of the signs that we should be looking for? There's a lot of signs to look for. And it's not, you know, sometimes, you know, a threat can be incredibly overt. Like if someone says, don't come to school tomorrow, I'm bringing a gun and I'm going to shoot up the school. That's something, you know, take immediate action by calling 911, local law enforcement, or telling someone, an adult, who can then do that for you. Um, but there's a ton of other signs in terms of this this spectrum of violence and self-harm. And, and for those that I don't cover, you can always go to our website, sandyhookpromise.org, and download the brochure, which has a lot of the signs in them. And this is around how do you piece things together? So someone who is chronically depressed or ideating on suicide or giving away possessions or obsessed with previous shootings or obsessed with firearms and collecting firearms or finding ways to access firearms. It's also about people who have trouble managing their emotions. A lot of gun violence and self-harm stems from an inability to properly manage anger and resolve conflicts. Um, these are simple skills that so many people have, but other kids struggle with it sometimes. And when they can't figure out, I'm angry at that person and I want to retaliate, or I can't figure out how to fix this problem, so I'm going to do it through violence or self-harm. There's, 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 those are the sort of signs that we teach people to look for. Who's withdrawing? Who's pushing others away? Who is being overly aggressive to something that seems very minor to someone else? massive behavioral changes or dress changes or interest changes. Someone who could be a really good student is suddenly failing out. These shifts, these show major shifts in a person that show that something's going on in their lives that means that they need help. And that's, that's the kind of thing that we teach in schools. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the overt action of like somebody posting something on social, like I'm going to go do something tomorrow at school, that's pretty obvious. But these other signs maybe have a little bit of gray area. So if you're a yes. student or a teacher or a parent and you're seeing some of these things, you don't necessarily want to call 911 when you see that. Like, yeah. where do you go? Where do you go first with that? Do you go to the, the school? What, what do you do? It really depends on the student and who they're comfortable talking to. In the case of emergency, we always train everyone, call 911. That's got to be your first port of call if it's an emergency. If it's something that you're, you're noticing that someone is, um, maybe they've, they're cutting, or maybe they've been abusing substances, or they're getting you know attacked by their boyfriend or girlfriend and they're suffering from dating violence, all the way up to someone who is contemplating harm or harm to others. The first thing, if it's not an emergency, find a trusted adult. We're not asking students to diagnose other students. Take it to an adult who then has more 
expertise in getting that help. And a trusted adult can be anyone. It can be someone in the school. It could be your parent. It could be your coach. It could be your faith leader or your your youth club leader or just someone else who is adult enough to know, all right, I've now been given this information. I'm going to take this to the school administration, for example, or to law enforcement if needed, if it seems like a significant risk. And then they can take the actions that's needed. And when we have an anonymous reporting system paired with it, then that takes the responsibility away from students and parents altogether because they can just call the line, use the app, or go to the website, report a tip of this is what I'm seeing or hearing, show any images or upload anything that they're seeing from social media, and know that each tip is going to be triaged and then dealt with appropriately by a school team or by local law enforcement, depending on whether someone's life is in imminent danger or not. Yeah, I remember watching... I think it was one of your TED Talks or maybe both of your TED Talks, you talk specifically about a lot of the times they're giving signals or they're physically telling you something's yeah. going to happen, whether it's overt or you know very specific. So I, mean, I guess a lot of the time we just have to act, right? Absolutely. This the, the Secret Service call this leakage when someone is showing and exhibiting behavioral changes or giving these more um, threats that aren't necessarily completely overt. Signs and signals are what we teach kids how to what to look for and how to recognize them because they're not always easy to spot, but the way they can accumulate means something's going on. And that's that's really what this training is all about, this leakage and the fact that you know, we know that when we look at mass shootings and we look at suicide and we look at a vast majority of gun violence, it's preventable because of the leakage. These signs and signals that people give off, there are opportunities for intervention. And when you know what to look for, you can create the intervention. And we know from research that four out of five school shooters tell at least one person what they're intending to do. They're giving off these signs and signals. In the same case with those who die by suicide, seven out of 10 of them also give off warning signs and signals. Again, these are opportunities for intervention. They're, they're opportunities to take action and get someone help before, before they take that next step towards tragedy. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about, so there's, there's a parent listening, there's somebody who's a teacher, there's somebody who's just involved in their community, and they say, I don't want this you know, tragedy in my community, and they want the schools to be prepared. How yeah. does your organization support the school then? Talk to us about this training and how that works. So the training is available on multiple levels. We, In some states, we have promised presenters, trainers who will actually go out and physically go into the school and deliver this in an assembly period or in a classroom environment. We also have the ability to train other trainers within a school community or district or even a state. And then we also have digital self-lead. So if you want to download the Say Something program, if you're an educator and you say, I want to take this to my classroom, you can actually go to our website, download the program, download the educator guide and all the activities and, and objectives of learning and activities to do and do it yourself and then report back to us what how this was experienced by your classroom and what you're seeing so that we can continue to refine the programs. Later this fall, we're also launching video training. So for some teachers, it's just going to be an easy your solution to plug and play. Take the video training of our trainers presenting to your classroom and just 
plug it in and show it during a classroom or send it home as a homework assignment if needed. These are different ways. We, we really want to make sure that we're reaching kids in schools in whatever way they need. So we really prefer to train districts all together because if you have, you have more power, if school to school, you're all talking with the same voice and taking the same actions versus one school having one hotline number and another school having another program. The, the power with, with youth comes when you're all working with young, one voice and one shared action and one training. So we really prefer training at a district level. And then we sustain everything through clubs. We've really learned from the schools that to keep these programs alive so that starting with hello or saying something just becomes the normal thing of what you do every day, you need to let the students own it. You need to let them lead it and empower them through the use of clubs, which we which we help to sustain the programs that each month there's another message around, all right, we've just practiced an active shooter drill. Let's reinforce this with a say something exercise, because as students, we would much rather be preventing violence from happening rather than practicing for when it does. So this is all this is um, it's perfect for any parent who wants to bring this to their school or their youth organization or their community center, self lead and download the material or contact us and we'd love to bring it to your district and and train the students directly. And that training, I know budgets are tight in a lot of school districts. How does that work? Is there a cost associated with your training? There is no cost with the training. Um, We we don't charge schools for our services at all. And and at a district or state level, there's also federal grants available for training as well in violence prevention programs such as ours and anonymous reporting systems such as ours. But if a district signs up with us, Yeah, we're not going to charge anything for our services and to help sustain the clubs as well to really keep it alive so you can see the impact and the long-term change that we need. That's incredible. Thank you, Nicole, for that. And I I wanted just just to let you know a little bit, this this segment, this conversation we're having, I like to call it Be the Change because this allows Mm -hmm. people, this show's about, you know, building wealth and then giving back, right? So this this specific segment is about being the change you want to see in the world. And if you want to see the change in your community, obviously, working with organizations like yourself are a great way to do it. So let's talk about what happens with a money that is donated to your organization. If somebody wants to help and support this organization, how does that work? Well, I mean, and donations are absolutely needed so that we can do the work because since we don't we don't charge schools for our costs, but obviously there are costs to delivering the program and we are 100% donor funded. Um, the money is used for the program. So roughly, it, it costs on average, depending on the program, it costs on average a dollar for us to train a child. So if you think about how big your district is and how many kids are there, you can get a rough estimate of how much money is needed for us to go in each year and train those kids. 75 cents of every dollar that's donated to us goes straight into those programs. We're not here to make money. We are here to have an impact and to save lives, period. Um, So the donations, we keep our overheads incredibly low so that the money from our donors is, is used in the way it's intended, which is to impact lives. Excellent. Well, Nicole, if you could look out five years from now, as you've been working on this organization for over five years now, how would you describe success for what you're doing with Sandy Hook Promise? Ah, well... I mean, I, I kind of feel my job is to put us out of business, um, you know, by training every single school in the country and, and ending this epidemic of um, gun violence and school shootings. I don't know if that's necessary. I don't think that can be achieved within the next five years. But I think within the next when I look at back at what we've achieved 
in the last few years. You know, we're already in about 14,000 schools, have trained about seven and a half million kids so far, have generated almost 30,000 life-saving tips into our anonymous reporting system and, in, and intervened on a lot of school shooting plans and suicide threats and, and other forms of violence. So if I look five years out, I'd say we'll easily be at about, well, we should be at more than 20 million kids trained by that time. And some of these are going to be kids that, some of those 20 million are going to be kids that will have been trained more than once, that they're really getting the impact going forward. We'll be in a lot more schools across the country, uh, especially where there is violent crime and death by firearm. And we'll be building up this um, these next five years of kids because some of the kids that we've been training are now going into high school and graduating out. So within the next five years, a lot of those kids will now be in college or beyond and will be training the next generation as well. So it's, it's, it's just going to be more lives saved, more impact, and more education on how to recognize the signs and help someone before they ever reach the point of picking up a weapon to hurt themselves. That's incredible results. Uh, you said 30,000 anonymous tips or tips that have come in. and uh, Just in the last year. Yeah. Just in the last year. Wow. And, and, and physically preventing this from happening. So that's what happens if we have the awareness and we know how to take action. Nicole, this is an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for your time today. Where can people learn more about Sandy Hook Promise and then consider donating and supporting your organization? Well, thank you. And if anyone who wants to learn more, just go to sandyhookpromise.org. Um, you can sign up, you know, leave us your email so that you're getting regular updates from us. There's a donate button right there on the website as well. And all of the program is, information is there as well as tools to help you bring it to your school or district. Everybody, I'm a proud supporter of this organization. That's why I wanted to talk with Nicole today. It's an extreme honor to speak to her, a parent who is out there not just thinking about, hey, man, look at all those horrible things that are out there that are happening. She's on the front lines for all of us trying to protect our children. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you. anonymous tips last year alone. That is incredible. This organization is truly preventing gun violence in our nation's schools. And if you're moved, like I obviously am by this message, please consider donating to Sandy Hook Promise at sandyhookpromise.org. I am a proud supporter of this organization. And for the next three months, they are going to be our featured charity spotlight. A portion of the profits from this little side hustle of mine is going to go to the organization, and they are going to be featured on the right side of my blog for the next three months, so you can see their logo, and I hope you consider donating. As a quick reminder, as we wrap up the show, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. That goes doubly for Mr. Patrick at the beginning of the show. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, subscribe to this show in your favorite podcast player. Number two, share this episode with a friend who's looking to pay off their mortgage or, or invest. Save a thousand bucks quickly or support an organization that is out for the well-being of our nation's children. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 155. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 155. And then the last thing, number three, leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. 
those reviews help more people to find this show. So we received four reviews since last month's giveaway book offer. And this quarter, we're going to give away three different book options from past podcast guests. The first one is Playing With Fire by Scott Rickens. The second one is Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk by Cameron Huddleston. <laughs> and the third one is Everyday Millionaire by Chris Hogan. As you can tell from the giggles, my friends, I have a friend here with me. <laughs> and she's going to help me pick the winner this week. Hello, Zoe Hill. How are you? <laughs> Good. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. So, friends, we've got something fun. Daddy's got two mics tonight, which is different. We normally just share a mic. I get the shorter one, and I'm happy about that. And Daddy gets the big one. Big one and short one, but it's fun. So, Zoe, are you ready to pick our winner? We have four reviews. So, what are you going to ask our electronic friend over there? Alexa, pick a number between one and four. Your random number between one and four is two. Excellent. Okay. Well, so our, our review is from Audie Tyrell, and Audie she gives us five stars, and so he's going to read it right here. Go for it, baby. Yippee. I'm newly married and have an 11-month-old boy. Although I'm new to the show, it has become a daily listen. I have a 30-minute commute each way, and it allows fully to listen to one full episode a day. Currently, I'm cherry-picking and choosing what episode to listen based on my current situation. However, I fully listen to every every episode. Great stuff. Great stuff. I like that. That's a good way to end it. Very cool. Thank you so much, Audie Tyrell, for sending in that review. We're very excited about that. So contact me. I do not have your email. I need to hear from you. So shoot me an email and let me know that you left that. And we'll send you one of these great books that we talked about. And next month, we'll be doing the same exact thing, everybody. So please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. There you go. Good job. Nice memory. (laughs) And make sure to take a picture of that review and send it my way on email so we can hook you up with one of these great books from one of our past guests. And Zoe will do the reading next time. Zoe, I heard you have another joke for us this week. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Europe. Europe who? No, Europe who? (laughs) (laughs) It's more like a silly, um, let's see, not a joke, it's like... It's a joke. No, it's like, um, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, what do you call it? A prank. A prank? That's a prank? (laughs) That is a prank. That's pretty good. (laughs) Because they say, you're a poo, and I say, no, you're a poo. Oh, I get it. I get it now. (laughs) Thank you, baby. You're welcome. Thank you for being here on the show, everybody. Bye. And this month on the show, we've got a great lineup that I am super excited about. Next week on October 14th, we have ex-hedge fund investor Chelsea Brennan. She's going to join me to share why she left her $400,000 plus salary on Wall Street. And she chose a life dedicated to family instead. The following Monday, October 21st, our Family Fi segment is back, and we are highlighting the story of author Chris Mamula, who retired at age 41. And I'm also going to share reasons why to pursue financial independence, even if you like your job. And the week after that, the last week, October 28th, 
real estate investor Rich Carey. He's going to join us and tell us how he purchased 20 rental properties free and clear in cash from the other side of the world. I really appreciate your support in September, everyone. I was able to win Best Family Finance Blog because of you. Thank you. I am looking at that little trophy on my shelf right now, (laughs) and it just makes me happy. And I look forward to bringing you more awesome shows in October. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Benjamin Disraeli. Action may not always bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action. Here's to taking the first steps, my friends. Carpe diem! 